Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Shalom, my friend. I, I don't know that word. It's something my family says. It's a greeting of peace. You won't find much of that here, I'm afraid. I'm Jacob. I'm Yassim. Yassim, I would offer you something to drink, but as you can see, we have just begun work on our well. You bought this land from the sons of him. For only 100 kesida, can you believe it? <laughs> I believe it every time the princes of this land cheat another foreigner. You will cost the day you pay that 100 kesita. And what do you think would have been a fair price? Zero kesita, zero goats, zero... You have 12 sons to work the land, and once we strike water... You will never strike water. Yes, the recent rain makes the land look lush, but the underground river runs around the mountain, not up it. Our God takes care of us. This is Canaan. The gods are not nice here. <laughs> We won't be here that long. We are sojourners. Ah, and what are you looking for? A land our God promised my grandfather, Abraham. Your grandfather? You ever notice how the gods are always promising us things, but we never really see them happen? Sometimes it takes generations. Ah, <laughs> suit yourself. So what is this uh, god of yours called anyway? El Shaddai. I've never heard of him. Not many people have, but I think someday they will. You have no home? Where's your temple for this God? He has no temple. So where do you worship him? Build altars wherever we go. And you do not carry him with you? No. There are no carved idols of him. So he's invisible? Yes. Well, usually. There was one time he broke my hip. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I've heard enough. Of all the gods you could possibly choose from, you pick an invisible God whose promises take generations to come true, who, who makes you sojourn in strange places, and he broke your hip. That is a strange choice. <laughs> oh, immigrants. We didn't choose him. Father! us.
Most of you, I am guessing, woke up this morning and had water readily accessible to you. I hope so. Most of you didn't have to worry about how you were going to take care of the excrement that you created. Let's just be real for a minute. You just flush the toilet. Most of you didn't spend a lot of time and thought about how you were going to bathe. You just turned or pushed up or a faucet. In this episode of The Chosen, it tells the story of the woman at the well. And it's a story that, if we're honest with ourselves, can be a little bit hard for us to relate to in the world that we live in today. And that's one of the things I love about The Chosen is that it opens up for us a different world. When you saw that woman have to pull that water out of that well, and then you realize she's going to have to go on a long walk to get back home, you recognize that some of the things that we just take very much for granted are not things that can be taken for granted. And this last week I was reminded that this isn't something that just 2,000 years ago was a problem, but this week I was reminded that many parts of the world would completely relate to the woman at the well. That this episode of The Chosen spends time talking about. They would relate because water is not a given. On Monday, uh, Rochelle and I flew down to Guatemala um, to see the work that World Vision is doing down there, work that is being supported by many members of our family here at Whole Life. And on uh, Wednesday, we had the opportunity to watch a choosing party that took place where children chose, those of you who decided that you were willing to sponsor a child, it was incredible. But one of the things that Rochelle and I had the opportunity to do was to spend some time in the communities uh, that are being supported by Whole Life and other uh, generous donors. And the people that you see in the slide behind me, they don't take water for granted. Um, You'll see the, the large black container If that's completely full, it has enough water to last a week for the people that are living around there. And the way that container gets full is if it rains. Because the rain gets caught on the tin roof, they've got it set up so the water then drains out into a pipe that you can see running to the container. So there are two seasons in Guatemala. There's rainy season and not rainy season, dry season. So what happens when it doesn't rain? For weeks. It means that the ladies, or men in some cases, are going to make a one hour hike down to where the river is. And we're not talking about terrain that's flat like here in Florida, we're talking about steep mountains. 
They're going to hike down to the river. That's the easy part. The hard part is then they fill up the, the water containers that they have. And depending on the strength that they have is how much water they're going to be able to bring back. And that water is going to have to do everything for, from be water to drink, to water to cook with, to water to clean your clothes with, to water that if you have enough left over, maybe you can use to bathe. <laughs> the, the lady who was asking questions to these ladies said to them, so tell me, how is it that you bathe? And they all started kind of laughing, not because they were embarrassed, but they said, well, there's a little room that we've created behind our house that's covered, and we bring water, and then we pour it over ourselves. And the, the lady said, what, how would you feel about like just being able to turn a, you know, a knob and being able to take a shower? And you should have seen there that like, they, they said, oh, that would, that would be like a dream come true. That, that, oh, that, that's the stuff of our dreams. Think about it. Walking, if there's no water coming off your roof, you walk an hour. By the way, if the water does come off the roof, you still got to purify it. You might have to boil it. In the community that we were in with this container, in the last year, they'd had a one-year-old child that passed away from dysentery because of water. I'm telling you these things because I want us to remember that there's a whole other world out there and that when we read biblical stories, sometimes there's a, a real-life story happening right now. And when we read this biblical story of a woman going to a well in the middle of the day to fill up her containers, this wasn't just some little, well, I think I'll take a trip to the well today. This is life and death stuff because water is life. You can make it for a little while without food, but water, you best get it quick. You best get it quick. It is life and death. And so when we hear the story of the Samaritan woman, we have to recognize that this woman didn't choose to go at the normal time of day to get water. She went at the hottest time of the day. And one of the things that we could use our holy imagination to think about was that why would somebody choose to go at the hot time of the day unless they didn't want to see the other people that were going to be at the well at a different time of the day. If you're not familiar with the, the story of Jesus visiting the Samaritan woman at the well, I want to go ahead and summarize it rather quickly for you. Jesus is out traveling. And I don't believe this was an accidental encounter. I believe that Jesus knew this encounter was going to take place. He had planned it. He knew when she was going to be there. And God had told him to be there. And so Jesus is never late for his appointments, even though sometimes it may feel like he's a little late. And I'm sure this woman had felt like her life, that God had, was a little late in showing up. But Jesus always shows up right on time. And Jesus shows up right around noon at this well. This woman is coming up. His disciples are going into town to get some food. And I want you to just pay attention really quickly to what's being said here. 
Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. So Jesus shows up there. This woman shows up. And Jesus does something that is mind-blowing to her because he is Jewish and she's Samaritan. And one of the things that you may or may not understand about Samaritans is that Samaritans and the Jewish people didn't get along. And it wasn't because they were so different. It was because they were so the same, but they had minor differences. Kind of thinking about the difference between Sunni and Shiite Muslims. Think about the difference between Protestants and Catholics and the and the the wars that have come out of that, remember Ireland back when, when those kind of wars. This is the difference between the Samaritans and the Jews. It isn't a massive chasm. It's a disagreement over which parts of the Bible were still relevant, and it was a disagreement over who is truly the real remnant of God. Good thing we don't have those kind of fights anymore. <laughs> so they... Um, so, there, so, so this woman is at the well, and Jesus asks her for a glass of water. And you have to understand, this is mind-blowing stuff. Firstly, Jewish men didn't talk to Samaritan women. Honestly, they didn't talk to Jewish women. So to talk to a Samaritan woman was just like, you know, it was like, what is going on here? And you have to keep in mind that Jesus actually kind of risks his reputation on this because there are a couple other people in the Bible who asked women for water at wells. Jacob, he married the person. Moses, he married the person. So you could almost potentially, knowing your, your scriptures, if view it as flirting. I'm not saying Jesus was flirting because I don't believe that at all. But that's how she could have interpreted it. Because biblical people met their spouses at wells. And Jesus says, give me some water. Now maybe you are starting to understand why she has a different reaction than just like, oh sure, I'd be happy to give you some water. Why are you talking to me? You're Jewish, I'm Samaritan. Did you, did you get hit on the head on the way here? You're all by yourself? I don't know. And Jesus engages in a conversation with this woman that he wasn't supposed to be talking to. He basically says, if you knew who was asking, you'd be happy to do it. And she says, well, you can't be greater than the person who dug this wall. Well, our father Jacob so one of the things that we often kind of get confused about is we, again, think the Samaritans are like Gentiles or something. They weren't. Um, Samaritans were very much connected to the Israelites. In fact, the Samaritans that lived right here by the well that Jacob dug, did you hear her say, our father Jacob? Why? Because the Samaritans traced their lineage from Jacob to Joseph. Remember what we just said here a minute ago, Right? Eventually, they came to the Samaritan village near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. And it's Joseph's ancestors that are now living in this region. But just like Joseph, they had become estranged from the rest of the family. They had been rejected by the rest of the Israelite family, and they were not a, a part of things, just like Joseph. And so the woman says, hey, you can't be greater than Jacob, our father. And Jesus said, well, if you knew who was asking you, you would actually ask me for living water. And the, when you hear that living water, the, it, the way that the connotation is in the original language is it's flowing water. It's freshly bubbling water. 
well, well water can be stale. I don't know if you've ever had well water, but it can, if it sits there for a while, it can be kind of stale. It's not the same as kind of freshly flowing water. And so the woman misunderstands what Jesus is trying to say because Jesus likes playing those little mind games with us sometimes. And she thinks, well, he's got better water than what's in the well. Come on, man. What are you, where, where is this? And Jesus then goes on to say, I've got something that if I give you that water, it'll become a flowing river inside of you that will never, you'll never be thirsty again. And the woman's like, well, I would be more than happy to not have to walk to this well every day in the middle of the day. That's fantastic. So if you've got it, prove it. This is my, you know, my paraphrase of things. <laughs> and Jesus says, I don't have to prove anything to you is basically what he says. But trust me, I can do it. Now go ahead and go get your husband. Jesus can be a little bit harsh sometimes, right? Because Jesus knew exactly what he was asking. And the woman says, um, I'm not married. And I, <laughs> I like how the, 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 um, the chosen portrays this scene. I like the, the kind of the twinkle on you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, thanks for telling me the truth. You, you're right, you're not married. You've been married five times and the guy you're with right now isn't your husband. Now, traditionally, the church has, trans, has taken that to mean that this woman was an adulteress, that she had committed adultery, she had been divorced five times, now she's living with a man that she wasn't married to um, and living in adultery. Um, a couple years ago, I was listening to Mike Tucker, who was at that time the speaker of Faith for Day, and he said, I know what the, the church fathers say, but remember, fathers tend to say things. Um, and he says, I think it's really unlikely that that was the case. And as I researched what Mike said and what another uh, amazing scholar named Eli Lazorkin Eisenberg, who wrote a wonderful book called The Jewish Gospel of John, they suggest that maybe there's another way to look at what's happening here. That maybe this woman wasn't a sinful woman, an adulteress, but maybe this woman had gone through a lot of trauma. There's a lot of different ways that this could go about. Keep in mind that a woman in that time and place didn't have the power to divorce. A man had to actually grant her a divorce. Also keep in mind that the Samaritans followed the same Jewish custom that it was okay and appropriate to stone a woman who committed adultery. So both uh, Lazorkin and, and uh, Mike Tucker said, how likely is that a woman cheats five times living with and doesn't get stoned, doesn't get called out by the community? And Eli actually theorizes, and this is just, there's a lot of different ways you could theorize on it, but Eli theorizes that this woman might have been barren because that was a legitimate reason to be divorced. If you couldn't produce a child for your husband, you could get divorced. He could divorce you for that reason. And so the thought was that, well, the first husband wasn't able to have children, or maybe he died before they had children. She got married to a second one, didn't have children. He divorced her. The third husband thought, well, we'll have children, fourth, fifth. And now, now she's living with a man who isn't her husband. And in that time and place, it's completely possible that that was her brother or her father. And so what Jesus was maybe saying to her, one possibility besides that adulterous, sinful woman option. Another option is this is a very broken woman, a woman who's been discarded by everybody in her life, who has not had any value given to her and who feels looked over, unseen, and uncared about by anybody. Somebody maybe a little bit like Joseph, 
Somebody a little bit like Joseph who feels like God has abandoned his promises that they haven't been followed. And why am I now abandoned and unseen? Whichever way you choose to view this story, this is a woman who is hurting. And it was a woman that Jesus loved and talked to when other men in his time and place would never have done it. Remember that what I just said, what I had up there, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. So let's think about this for a second. Why does John, when he writes this gospel, go to the trouble of telling us that it was near the field that Jacob gave his son, Joseph? I don't believe that when John wrote this, he was throwing it away. I think that he was doing this very intentionally because what we understand is that Joseph was actually buried in that field. See, the bones of Joseph were brought back from Egypt. Joseph requested that he be buried on the property that his father had given him in the promised land. And so not too far where this, from this woman is drawing water are the bones of Joseph, the one who had been alienated, the one who had been lost from the family. They are a silent witness to a promise that is about to be fulfilled. What promise am I talking about? Well, if you go to Genesis 49, verse 22, Jacob blesses all of his sons before uh, he dies. And this is part of the blessing that he gives to Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful branch. And that word branch could also be translated son. A fruitful son by a spring. Its daughters, and the word changes there from son to daughter, its daughters hang over a wall. You guys following me? Is it possible that one of Joseph's daughter is hanging over the wall ready for Jesus to keep a promise that was made all those years ago to Joseph. And this is the rest of that blessing. May the God of your father help you. May the almighty bless you with the blessings of the heavens above, the water that comes down from heaven, and the blessings of the water from the depths of below. You hear that? Jesus actually taps into the language of the blessing in Genesis 49 and says, I'm going to give you that water from the depths below that your father promised and gave you a blessing. I am the fulfillment of the promise. I'm the fulfillment of this promise in Genesis 49, not just to your sons, but to your daughters too. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And after the woman realizes that Jesus knows who she is, that he sees her, that he knows everything about her life, that he knows who she is and he loves her and cares about her, and that he then does something incredible. He does something he has done with no one else yet. He says, I am the Messiah directly to her. No parables straight ahead. I am the Messiah. 
I am the promise. I am the fulfillment. I am what you've been waiting for. I am. And he does it for somebody who might be considered the least of these, but not in Jesus' eyes. Not in Jesus' eyes. Well, disciples show back up just as the woman's leaving. They think this is odd. This shouldn't be happening. But they've come back with some food and they say to Jesus, hey, uh, Jesus, we brought you back some food. I'm sorry, I, I have the wrong slide there. So we have some food. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you don't know anything about. You know, this last week while we were in Guatemala, um, we had the opportunity to watch those of you who decided that you wanted to sponsor a child and that you were willing to give that child some, some actual choice. These are people who don't always get choices. Oh, we will go ahead and sponsor you. No, we said, no, we are willing to sponsor. You get to pick who, who your sponsor is. You get choice. And can I just tell you that for Rashawn and I, it was just beyond humbling. How was my trip? I honestly felt broken afterwards. Why? Because I ran into people who are struggling to survive, not just, not, not thrive, just survive. And because of what World Vision is doing and we are partnering with them, they do now have the opportunity to thrive. They are being given things that they would not have the opportunity, but they're not just being given it. They're, they are actually having the opportunity to work together and feel like they have ownership in their life and that it's not just somebody else telling them how things are going to be. I cannot begin to describe to you what it looked like to watch child after child walk into a room with your pictures on the wall and to see the light in their eyes, they would walk up to that wall and they would look at it. Some of them would take a long time. They'd really ponder the options and really think it through. Others' children, they saw the person, they knew this is who I want. And every single one of them, in my opinion, was a God appointment. It was incredible to me how I watched children pick you that I knew, I was like, I can't believe that that, that worked out that way. Our, um, one of our church members, Joe Newell, a little boy picked her. And we had heard from this little boy's mother that she is an entrepreneur. She's trying to get her own business going. Joe, a business person. The little boy loves soccer. Joe and her family love soccer. These aren't just random choices. This is God directing. And if I were to say one thing, the one thing that I came away from is uh, we, um, Rochelle and I uh, and our kids are sponsoring four kids right now. And this church is, we're at this point, I think the first two years ago, we sponsored 120. This last time we sponsored 36. And I'm told that there were, were more people are sponsoring today. But what I came away with is um, seeing the need and what it meant. These kids, when they pick you, they don't just take the picture and throw it on the ground and walk on their way. Or they don't even put it in a backpack to carry it around with them everywhere they go. They were playing soccer holding these things. One of the mothers told me that her child sleeps with her sponsors picture. Why? Because they feel seen. There is somebody in another part of the world that believes in them and says, yes, you are worth investing in. You are worth it. And I care about you. 
these children don't have that in their life. A lot of them are told, this is what you're going to do. You're not, you're, you're not going to be able to make it. We heard one woman tell us how her, her, her whole community told her after she got pregnant without being married that, that she was just done for. That there was no hope for her, that her future was going to be have just a lot of children and be, live in poverty. But whole, but whole life, World Vision came along and told that woman, no. You have a future and you have a hope. There's more that can happen here. And now she's pursuing her own business. It's incredible. Um, the lady on the screen behind me, um, at the end of The Chosen, she was one of the volunteers that helped it happen. At the end, she got up. She thanked all of us. And she handed out these little flowers that she'd made out of, um, what do you call the pipe cleaners. And whatever you think about that, you don't know how much money that cost her to do. It was not a cheap thing for her. And she'd taken the time to, to craft them for us and to give them to us because she felt so grateful that we cared about her and her community. It left me feeling a little bit like, this whole trip left me feeling a little bit like the end of Schindler's List. If those of you have watched it, I'm not saying you should or whatever, I'm just saying if you have. At the end of it, Oscar Schindler, who saved over 1,100 Jewish people during the Holocaust, there's a scene where he is standing in front of some of the people that he's saved, and they, they give him a little ring that has inscribed on it, the one who saves one saves the world entire. And Schindler tears up and he said, I could have saved more. How much money have I wasted in my life? How, I could have done more. I could have done more. And they cover, oh, no, no, you've done so much. But he, that's how I felt. I was there. I was like, we could do more. We could do more. Why? Because Jesus has done everything for us. I want to be like Jesus. I want to meet the people who feel like nobody sees them. And I want to see them. And I want them to know that they matter and that they have a future and they have a hope and that while it may feel like Jesus is slow in keeping his promises and that sometimes as generations, I want to be part of Jesus making those blessings and promises come true. I want to be a part of that. I want you to know, you still a chance, you can still sponsor kids. There'll be another chosen Thing. This time, though, you'll just get mailed in the, it'll come in the mail for you. I would love for this, you know, right now we're at about 150 kids. I'd love for us to be sponsoring 200. Honestly, I'd be, I'd be happy for us to be sponsoring 1,000. I'd love that. But even one makes a difference in that community. Because the money that we're all contributing goes into one big thing that raises the whole community and makes a difference. And then the privilege you have is to be able to communicate with that child that chose you. Family, we have the privilege to join Jesus in delivering God's blessings by most importantly seeing people and affirming their inherent worth. When we join God, we understand Jesus' words, I have food that you don't know about. And tell you, after that event was over, I was not hungry and it wasn't because I hadn't eaten, it was because I felt so full of what I'd seen. Join Jesus 
and making a difference where God points you towards. So now is the time where we get to respond, and I'm here to represent the online audience. I'm Stanley Pominowski, the online host. We're nearly out of time, so I'm going to talk very quickly, and I'm going to go with my favorite of these questions, which is from Melinda. And she said, I want to be like Jesus. Uh, uh, she did say that. I want to be like Jesus. Let me get to the question. How can we ever do enough when there is such a need in this world? It, do we need to say, we need to save all of Guatemala? How can yeah. I can't, remember, I, I can't remember where I hear this story, so I, I, but I remember some, a pastor I heard once saying that there was a little boy walking down the beach throwing starfish back in the ocean. An older guy came up to him and said, hey, you can't save all those starfish. And he goes, yeah, but I, I can save this one. And so I just think we do what God puts in our path. And for some of you, maybe that's helping out with World Vision. Maybe it's helping out in your local community center. Maybe it's, I don't know. Just put what God puts in front of you. And by the way, if you want to sponsor a child, you can take out your cell phone. You can text uh, Whole Life Online to 56170. It's super simple. It'll take you less than five minutes. And somebody asked me, well, how long do you have to sponsor a child for? It's up to you. Um, I've been, Rochelle and I have been going on since, uh, for about the last 13 years, sponsoring children. And because um, we just believe in it, we think it makes a difference. Um, and uh, so if you want to join us in that, I would, like I said, I'd love to get us up to 200 kids that we're sponsoring. Um, so if that's something that you, can see in your budget, I tell you, for me, after this trip, I can just tell you the best money I spend all month is the money that's coming out of my bank account for this. I just, it, it is making a difference there, and I just I love what they're doing. I really appreciate that they, you know, invited you to go because um, I've heard bad things about some missionary trips or areas, and so it's really great to have direct confirmation. Yeah. And of course, Bernie's also a member of our church, so we already knew going in yeah. that this was going to be a good experience. So, Well, you know, they, they rate really well on the charity apps when you look to who does good work, but like if anything, uh, if anything, World Vision undersells the amazing work they do. They're, mm -hmm. They do far more than than you, than I realized they did. I was just blown away at, at the good that they're doing in those communities. Well, awesome. Um, definitely bless all those people that are a part of that. Um, I'm gonna tease one question, because uh, we are out of time, but this one comes from Matthew, and it is, uh, why does Jesus usually choose people not in power to uh, reveal his power to, and why not to people in power? So good. What a great question. podcast question. Tune right, into the perfect. podcast. That's fantastic. Right. So That's check really out the podcast. Question. It's called This Is Whole Life, and it's available everywhere that podcasts are heard, and it comes out Wednesday morning. So check that out. Thank you, Thanks, Ken. Stanley. Yep. If you signed up for a child last week, make sure you go out, and your, your child has picked you, and it's on, hanging from the uh, little lines out here on this side. Go check that out. If you want to sponsor a child, it's not too late. Just do it the way I told you how to do it. That would be fantastic. If you want to sponsor four more, go ahead and do that too. Um, and thank you so much for being an amazing family. I really, one of the things that makes me glad to be a part of the Whole Life family is that we are involved, not just in our community, but in this world. And that's important to us here at Whole Life. So thank you for being a part of that. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, we thank you for this time together. Help us to be more like you. We pray in your name. Amen. Love you, family. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, 
don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.